You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Welcome to Big News Sports. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. That come after a loss. Did you uh, see any similarities in the weeks of preparation, the days of preparation that came into those two games? Yeah, I think our guys got a way about make sure that we're going to come out with a little bit different result. You know, the practices were good, film sessions were better. Uh, we, we've got a group that owns, you know, what they need to get better at. I mean, we, we've talked. Pretty openly and regularly after losses, what what was the issue? What do we got to get better at? They own it. You're going to make sure that it doesn't pop up again as an issue. And I think they, for the most part, they've done a pretty good job at it. So that's pretty similar. You know, I, I, the Oklahoma one was much sort of disappointing than the Tennessee one. I thought the Oklahoma one, we just didn't bring the effort we needed to. Tennessee one, we, we just didn't. Welcome into Big Noon Sports. Of course, that is a vote, the voice of the one and only Nate Oates, who's uh, Alabama Crimson Tide just absolutely chewed the Bulldogs up and spit them up, spit them out. I flipped over there and was watching it, kind of wandering around the den. Next thing I know, it was 30-8. to eight. I mean, it's, it's, is Alabama in the NBA and Georgia's in high school? I mean, it was just, quite honestly, it was hard to watch. And, you know, you keep looking and said, can you turn the Jets off? Well, that's not the way Alabama plays. And he went deep on his bench. Um, Just two things. One, the most important, don't ever play Alabama after a loss. Now, that's likely not going to happen because when you get in a tournament play and you get a loss, you don't play again. So, we'll see how that works out. But, again, Alabama was incredible, especially from the floor where they shot 61.9%. Folks, that's like, let's round it up, okay? 62% from the floor. Almost 50% from three-point range. It was absolutely a dismantling as uh, Alabama improves to 13-1 in conference play, 23-4 and overall as we head into March and tournament time and so forth. Now, that being said, Auburn suffered a real heartbreaker at Vanderbilt. I mean, you want to talk about a buzzer beater. Uh, I think officially there was .8 seconds left on the clock when Vanderbilt scored and won. But here's my biggest question to all the listeners here, to Lars Anderson and Christian Miller and our gang. Who in the blank is Mac McClung? You ever heard of this guy, Lars? You ever? <laughs> do, do you even know what I'm talking about right now? I do know what you're talking about. Now, let, me, let me interrupt you. Did you know who he was before yesterday? No. Okay. All right. Me too. Me too. Me too. Dude's got some hops, though. So. 6'2 can jump out of the gym. Uh, if you don't know, and I didn't watch any of the game, any of the skills competition, but it went viral. Uh, when you got this, and I hope I'll get caught, when you got a 6'2 white kid that can get off the floor like Rex Chapman, you remember how? That is exactly who he reminds me of. Yeah. Rex was about 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, he was taller. Uh, but, man, Rex could jump and, uh, and and shoot as well. 
but uh, this kid was unbelievable. He won the slam dunk competition. Yeah. And, and that has taken its hit over the years. But, I mean, this guy had three career NBA baskets. Did Philly just put him on the roster at the last minute for this specific I mean, purpose? He's a, he's a G League player. Yeah. But, I mean, his numbers in G League are awesome. He's 20 points and, uh, like, eight rebounds and six assists a game. He looks like he's about 15 years old, too. Especially jumping over a guy and slamming it home. But, anyway. but uh, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm not into the, the, the slam, cont- slam dunk contest anymore at all. I mean, I remember when it was Dominique Wilkins and Michael Jordan and uh, uh, Vin- Vince, Vince Carter, Doctor J, free throw line, and, and just... um, you know, ever since LeBron James said, "Nope, not for me," uh, because one, because I, I don't think he's a. When you're that tall and that big, it's hard to be spectacular. Like you, you, you can't. You can't be like somebody like um, uh, Spud Webb at five seven, and, and he wanted and do one crazy year. things. And uh, gosh, that kid from Washington, uh, Nate—I uh, forget his last name. Archibald? No, no I'm going. Man, am I going back? Yeah, <laughs> he happened to be, by the way, one of my dad's all-time favorite players, Tiny Archibald. I liked him too, um, but. Anyway, it's just it's not the same because all of the best players, all the best dunkers sit out. Uh, I mean, you know, and then in the game, you have guys like John Morant who just coming up with these spectacular dunks. I mean, I think there's no question Morant is the most spectacular dunker right now in the game. Um, but, uh, you know, he didn't participate uh because of, you know, ostensibly due to fear of injury. But uh, I, I thought it was a nice story that, uh, yeah, that this kid uh, came out of nowhere and and just put on a show. He just put on a show. He really did. And, um, you know, he has a resume. It's not like you go, okay, this kid played junior college here and walked on here. I mean, he's from Virginia. He originally signed and had good numbers at Georgetown. I mean, I know Georgetown's not the way they were with Ewing. Wait a minute. They are with Ewing. (laughs) Excuse me. When Ewing played. But uh, also played for Texas Tech, and I didn't have time to do a dive on this. But was he a part of that Texas Tech team just a couple of years ago that made the great run of the Final Four? He He had to have been. Yeah. Okay? That's that's just my, uh, I, I guess, my logic on that. But anyway... Uh, that's so, yeah, as I mean, much as I've talked about the NBA All-Star Weekend in probably 12 years. Well, the, the game is a joke. Unless it, you it, want to watch guys throwing it off the backboard on it, their own it, it and jamming to, it on it, their own. It used to matter. Um, but, you know, when Max McClung, or Mac McClung, sorry, when he when it was announced that he was going to be in the slam dunk contest, like... He's quickly became sort of this uh, the the epitome of the irrelevance of the slam dunk contest, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, good point. But then he goes out and dominates like he's Jordan or Dominique Wilkins. I mean, look, the kid's only played two games in his NBA career uh, with uh, the Lakers and the Bulls, and he was signed to a two-way contract by the 76ers earlier in the week. 
and he absolutely had a near-perfect performance. I mean, it was great. It came out of nowhere. And in, in a lot of ways, th- th- this last weekend, um, one of the slowest weekends of sports, if you're not into NASCAR or the NBA All-Star Game. Or the XFL. Come on! Oh, I watched every play of the game on Sunday night. The D.C. Defenders... That's my team. It is? Yes. I, I'm a St. Louis guy now. Did you see the way McCarron came back? What great rule is that, man? You can you can choose in the fourth quarter to go, like, a, you can score a touchdown. Go for three. Go for three. Right. And then instead of kicking off yep. at your own, what, 25-yard line, you face a fourth and 15. What does AJ do? He rolls, escapes pressure, rolls to his right, and he hits Ricky Pearl's kid. Yes, uh, exactly. At, at the fifty, and then they AJ takes him down the field, and they score. I mean, it was an amazing comeback. The team hadn't done anything on offense the no, entire they had 68 game. Eight yards and three first downs going into the fourth quarter. That's just you know what all ugly. But that that game was fun. I, I did see some of that, and then I watched uh, uh, the D.C. Defenders play Seattle last night, and I forgot about Derek King, the quarter, the former quarterback at Houston. And man, he just uh, he, he he electrified the crowd. There was a pick six, and 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 I. I've chosen the D.C. Defenders as my team because my my brother lives just about a a half mile from the stadium. And also, I think that's a really cool name, the D.C. Defenders. I wish... uh, wish They're going to have to change that, you know, eventually. It's just not politically correct. (laughs) You have to be offenders. (laughs) Wait a minute, they're offensive enough. But I I tell you, Matt, this uh, XFL is... uh, the broadcasts were so interesting to me because you could hear both the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator calling the plays. And so you kind of it, it was it was a little confusing, but you were getting so much uh sort of intelligence pre-snap that you knew what to look for and uh it was amazing to me uh, in, in in watching uh, the uh, Seattle DC game, how Seattle's defensive coordinator um, uh, Greg Williams, who was part of Bounty Gate, he was the DC uh, for New Orleans back then, how he just based on down and distance, he knew exactly like what was coming on every play because in the because the offensive coordinator for the defenders was June Jones and these two guys have been going at each other. I know. Wow. Exactly. But these two guys have been going at each other for what? 30 years in the game. I mean, (laughs) it was like, okay, there's going to be an inside run here. Uh, it's going to be jet motion sweep and it's going to, you know, it's just all, all this different stuff. And, and if you're, uh, you know, a, a football nut, like we are, you just love this stuff. So, well, it was uh, it was an interesting game. I watched a little bit of it, but uh, I was still coming down from the Daytona 500. Which, if we had NASCAR fans and listeners into this, and we could go into deep on on how you go overtime, when you drop the the yellow flag, and all that kind of stuff, but we're likely not going to. But speaking of football, the USFL draft is tomorrow, Lars. You're, you're on pins and needles for this, right? 
I didn't realize it was tomorrow, but I am now. Uh, and we need to get into that and get into the Stallions. And then, you know, also, we began the show with Alabama basketball. Maybe Christian Miller was in attendance there. I want to see how how uh, Christian you know, feels like he would just absolutely rip these new leagues if he was in here. <laughs> Birmingham's quarterback, uh, Perez, uh, from the USFL, is now in the XFL. Like, that guy just – or no, he wasn't in the USFL. He, he was, was in, in the uh, a- AAF. Yeah. yeah, he was He was Trent Richardson's quarterback. Yes, he was. Trent has had some interesting things to say about him in the past, but we'll leave it uh, at that. Oh, really? Uh, okay. <laughs> you might have to share that with me right now. Um – more Big Noon Sports coming your way. Hang on. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The high today, 64. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. The low tonight, 54. The high tomorrow, 69. Very warm on Wednesday. Cloudy at times with scattered showers. The high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 67 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big News Sports, Christian Miller. want to get a couple of thoughts from you before we go to Brian Passing who is the color analyst for the Alabama Crimson Tide Sports Network for basketball. Had you ever heard of Mac McClung before? I have, yeah. Uh, in the last, less, okay, before yesterday. Yeah, yeah, he actually, um, I'm, I, I'm not trying to be funny, but anytime there's a white guy that can jump like that, you're going to hear about him. Uh, <laughs> uh, just being honest. And... Uh, he actually have was you heard very, about Lars Anderson before? I, I said that can jump like that, Lars. <laughs> um, yeah, he um, he actually had a pretty impressive uh, high school highlight tape. You know, growing up, there's always you know these these big recruits that had these crazy you know basketball highlight reels that normally would blow up, and uh, he was one of those guys. Another guy like you know Seventh Woods. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's from my hometown. He blew up because of the dunks that he was doing in, in high school and. Mac McClung was actually one of those guys. Um, so, yeah, I've heard of him from high school. Um, you know, he was doing crazy dunks in high school. So, yeah, he's actually kind of been known for that. Um, then, you know, he had a you know pretty decent college career, but, you know, technically he's a G League player right now. So, obviously, no, not too many people know about him right now. But they do now. Uh, they didn't before the dunk contest, but they do now. And rightfully so. I mean, he put on a show. Do you think he is a, a a guy who can stick around in the NBA and make it for a few years? Uh, you know, I, mean, I don't necessarily watch his whole game, so I, I don't think it's fair for me to yeah. to say that. Um, again, I just know him from his dunks. <laughs> um, but I'm sure you know he he probably could you know be on some type of roster. Um, and I don't know how long or how effective he'd be, but um, I, I think he could probably you know find some way to contribute to a team but you got to do more than dunk though that's all i know you, you can't just dunk in basketball you got to be able to pass the ball shoot the ball especially a guy like him he's only six one six two so he's point guard so i'd have to watch more of his game to, to really answer that but 
you know, I, I think this is a great start. I mean, he just won the dunk contest, so he's he's at least making a name for himself, and I'm sure he'll get a lot, a lot more looks and opportunities now that he's, uh, you know, won a dunk contest. Y'all remember Jeremy Lin? All right, we'll get into that yeah. later. Lin Sanity. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was awesome for a few years. We're yeah. joined now by Brian Passink, who I understand is getting out of the grocery store. Good for you. Uh, it's always good to go in there and lose a couple hundred dollars in a hurry. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go down that road. How is uh, how is everything in Tuscaloosa? And wow, um, they just boat raced Georgia. It was at times it wasn't even funny. Well, listen, this uh, you, you don't you don't love having bounce back too many bounce back opportunities uh, because that means you you took an L. Um, and this team has not had many opportunities to bounce back, but boy, when they have, they've taken advantage of it. And it was a disappointing Wednesday night in Knoxville against the nation's number one defensive team in Tennessee. And it was as physical a game as I've ever, or maybe in recent years that I can remember. Uh, but for this team to respond the way they did against an improved Georgia team that has surprised a lot of people this year, they were hovering around 500 in the SEC. Mike White has been impressive in year one in Athens. So, for Alabama to beat its third SEC team by 40 or more points was very impressive on Saturday afternoon. Brian, um, I think somewhere on social media, I think it was Twitter, maybe in Chris Stewart's feed, uh, there's a couple uh, seconds of you uh, draining some threes uh, there in Tennessee uh, the day before the game. <laughs> It's got to say that your your shot still looks as good as ever. Uh, I think you made a greater percentage than Alabama did that day, but uh, it looked good. Um, what, what were the big takeaways from the Tennessee game? And do you think ultimately it's going to help Alabama that they went through just that that uh, basketball game that turned into a football game essentially? Yeah, no, first of all, thank you on the, on the, uh, the compliment on the form. And I, I was fortunate that uh, the volunteers were not guarding me. And turns out if nobody's guarding me, I'm in the gym all by myself, I can make some jumpers. So uh, that it's that it was in, when I, in my playing days, it was that, that defense that caused the problem for me. Other than that, I was a pretty good offensive player. But it, it, it was a Tennessee defense and the physicality. I mean, they – they were the, are the nation's number one defensive efficiency team, uh, and they do it with toughness and physicality, and uh, they they don't let you cut, and don't let you run what you want to run, and um, and and I thought it was as impressive a defensive performance as I've seen in a long time. And listen, Alabama did not play its best, uh, and Tennessee may have. Um, talked to one of their assistants after the game, and they felt like that was the best they played all all year. And uh, and Alabama did not. So we'd love to see that matchup again in a couple of weeks in Nashville. And I, I think the fact that the officials let them play um, and, and really let, let that game turn into a wrestling match was frustrating at the time, but I think will benefit this team later on down the line. Um, because it's going to make them better. It's a, a young team, but a mature team. Uh, and I think next time they play, whether it's 
in College Station against Texas A&M or, or Tennessee in the FCC tournament or a team that plays that style in the NCAA tournament, this team will be more prepared for it. So that's what you hope to happen over the course of a, a college basketball season, especially when you play such a tough schedule. Can you learn from the losses? And Alabama so far has done that in a big way. And uh, the performance against Georgia Saturday was impressive, but what I'll be more interested in is is when they play another team that plays uh, such a physical brand of basketball in the defensive end, and, and we're definitely going to see that opportunity uh, in a couple of weeks in College Station. After that blowout Saturday, Georgia's head coach, Mike White, was saying that uh, Alabama's offense is as good as he's ever seen or competed against. Is that something that you would agree with? Are they as good as you've ever seen? You know, you, you've been around basketball for quite a while. Well, when they're clicking, uh, maybe. And, you know, this is number one or two in the country in tempo. Uh, We know about the three-point attempts, and uh, they shoot a pretty good percentage, uh, much improved from a year ago. So when this team is getting stops defensively, rebounding the ball in the defensive end, even creating turnovers, and they're out in the open floor, uh, this is as good as I've been around on the offensive end. But the thing that makes – this Alabama team so good is their improvement on the defensive end. And you, you go back to last year, 92nd in defensive efficiency. Uh, at last look, number three in the country uh, defensively. So, yes, this team has incredible firepower on the offensive end led by Brandon Miller. But their defensive numbers are actually better than their offensive numbers. Uh, but that's what this makes this team go. But Boy, they are fun to watch in the open floor, and we saw a lot of that on Saturday. Our guest is Brian Passing, longtime Alabama player and now a member of the broadcast team. Brian, it, when somebody from Billings watches this or sees the score and they go, golly, Alabama, can't you turn it off? I mean, really, do you just pummel the opposition? <laughs> Can Alabama turn it off? Do they wish to turn it off? Uh, he clears the bench. He gets a lot of players, a lot of minutes. Only one of his starters had more than 20, 20 minutes, if I, if my stats here are right. But um, I don't see any of the opposing coaches going, hey, man, uh, wait wait a couple of years. I'm going to get you back. How do you address that? How does Oates address well, it? I don't think it's a problem, and I don't think anybody has a problem with it if they're at the game or watching the game because of the reasons you mentioned. Um, he, he plays a ton of players. The player of the game – uh, is Nick Pringle, who may be 10th or 11th in minutes played um, over the course of the season. So, you know, he he definitely clears his bench. Uh, the walk-ons, as we talked about on the broadcast, need to be in great shape this year because they get a lot of playing time. And you can't tell guys not to play and play hard and play aggressive. Now, bless possession of the game you know you don't need to shoot and, and he, he all make does a good job of doing it the right way and uh but but can't tell guys not to play hard uh especially the walk-ons when they get their opportunity so i i, I don't think it i don't think mike white has a had a problem with it and the opposing coaches um so it's it's done the right way but it sure is fun as an alabama fan to, to see uh, the bench being cleared midway through the second half and, and guys getting a ton of playing time that might not otherwise get it. So it just makes 
for a lot of fun, and, and when the tide's rolling, uh, everybody gets in on the action. So Alabama travels to South Carolina on Wednesday. Um, can you preview that game for us? Uh, what are some of the keys that you'll be looking for from Alabama's side? And also, what are, what's the likelihood that Alabama will play their first uh, two rounds of the NCAA tournament in Birmingham if they can hold on to be a number one seed? Not necessarily the top seed, in the entire tournament, because I, I I know that that is where uh, a lot ha- a lot of people have them projected right now, but uh, the likelihood if they are just a one seed that they would have their first two games of the NCAA tournament in Birmingham. Well, I think Alabama's uh, going to be in Birmingham, and uh, because of the year that they've had, and and hopefully uh, this team will finish strong and have a chance to win the SEC regular season title. Um, the schedule has not lined up great for that, although um, the, the play on the court has. Uh, but to go to the top two contend- contenders outside of Alabama, only play them once, both being on the road, uh, going to Knoxville, and then in the year, uh, Texas A&M, who's just one game behind Alabama, is not ideal, but that's how it goes sometimes with the unbalanced schedule. Uh, but Alabama's in great shape to get a top seed, a, a one seed in the NCAA tournament, um, which would, would put you in Birmingham. Uh, so that, that is great news. And the tickets are not going to be cheap. Um, and, and I'm not going to have extras. So, so people, my friends can <laughs> save their text <laughs> and I'm looking for some myself. Uh, but that's a, going to be great. Um, it's always great to hear your name called on selection Sunday, especially with a high seed. Uh, Alabama is going to be uh, in great position to make a run, but you got to do it on the court. And the game Wednesday night is important. This is a game that that you could overlook uh, with maybe bigger games that 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 you know have uh, some some teams that are competing uh, for NCAA tournament bursts and SEC titles and that sort of thing coming up. Um, you know, this is one that you could, as a young player, overlook, but you can't do that. Uh, the South Carolina team is, um, you know, they've got a new coach. D.J. Uh, Jackson is is one of the top players in the SEC. He's dangerous. They're, they're a team uh, that's coming off a win, so they're going to be feeling a little more confident than maybe they have. But, listen, when you're top five in the country, number two in the country, whatever Alabama is, uh, projected as a top seed or one of the one seeds in the NCAA tournament, these are the types of games that you should win. And if you want to win a conference title, that you have to win, especially with Texas A&M uh, right there playing incredible basketball right now. So it's an important game, and I expect this team to come out and, and play hard and, and play tough. Hopefully uh, they'll be dialed in and ready to go, and, and uh, they can get another victory and get closer to an SEC regular season title. All right, Brian. Save the last uh, the, the best question for last. If you were uh... – you're on this team. How many points you average, and what's your role? <laughs> <laughs> with all, the, sadly, and I'll, I'll answer honestly, uh, with all the talent on this team, I would not see the floor. So my <laughs> my points per game would be limited uh, because of the guys in front of me. I, I experienced some of that as a player. I had a bunch of NBA guys uh, playing in front of me. That was probably a good decision uh, by the coaching staff. So similar situation now. It's why Alabama's so good. So. I know this. I, if I got in, I'd get a bunch of shots up. 
because uh, <laughs> Nate likes threes. I like shooting threes, so that would be a good combination. But uh, too many good players in front of me, so I, I, I'd be scared to tell you what I might average. It, it would probably be pretty low. Hey, respect the honesty. <laughs> <laughs> I do, but I still think you would have got PT on Saturday. Um, thanks for your time, Brian. As always, have a safe trip, and we will talk again later this week or early next. All right, guys. Appreciate y'all having me. Look forward to it. NCAA football looking at rule changes. We'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Two are pretty big. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. I'm exploring this uh, for three to four years. All right, so they have really been uh, doing their due diligence. All right, uh, the proposals under consideration are prohibiting consecutive timeouts, i.e. icing kicks, uh, icing the kicker, no untimed down, at the end of the first quarter or the third quarter. Um, That'll save about 17 seconds again, yeah. if that. But here here are the two that uh, are, are, are the biggest ones. Uh, the third proposal is the clock runs after first downs except inside of two minutes and a half. And this is the biggie. The clock runs on incompletions once the ball is spotted. Okay, so according to a study conducted last season by college football officials, running the clock after first downs would remove about seven to nine plays a game. Running the clock after incompletions would be much more significant, more like it would remove about 15 plays a game. And I think that one, running the clock after incompletions, to me, it's a, that's a bridge too far, like that, that's going too far. But I can see running the clock after first downs except inside of two minutes and a half. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to pass. Yeah, I, I mean. Uh, the f- first three will pass. Yeah. The I think yes. Yeah. The the pre- prohibiting uh, consecutive timeouts to ice kickers. Yes, that will pass. No untimed down at the end of the first quarter or third quarter. Yes, that will pass. And then the third one, which will be the most significant, is the clock runs after first downs, except inside of two minutes and a half. I mean, the clock runs now after a first down, but not until the ball is spotted. It, yeah, it doesn't spotted. run continuously. I yeah. mean, the, so the, the official ball, has to start the clock the, again. Yes, so the ball will run even as the official, or I'm sorry, the clock will run even as the officials are trying to spot the ball. But but again, running the clock after an incompletion, after the ball is spotted, I mean, that, that it, it takes away 15 plays, they, they're That's guessing, a in a game. Seven to eight's a lot. Yeah. Christian, you're, you, uh, you have the floor here for a little while. Oh, uh, y'all got it. I mean, I don't even really know. I haven't read on this. Y'all, y'all have read up on. It. I don't. This is my first time hearing it. I mean, I, all I can say is again. I mean, whatever their reasoning is. I mean, I, I'm just curious what their reason is. I, I, don't, I highly doubt it's to protect players. Well, I think, you think it's, it will help the uh, the television product following any of these rules. I, I don't even know, Joe. I mean, you made a good point though about the <laughs> the TV timeouts being too long. I agree with that. I mean, the only thing I can say is. 
those long timeouts, like those long TV timeouts, you do feel like you get cold, your muscles get cold. You know, maybe you might have less uh, soft tissue injuries because, you know, you're staying warm. You're not sitting there waiting. I used to hate that, you know, sitting there on a TV timeout and you just want to get going. You just want to play. And, uh, I mean, so I can comment on that stuff. But if you're talking about the entire uh, entirety of a game, the total time, again, I, I'm so focused on a game, I don't even know how long we're out there. I really don't. Um, so I don't I, – I don't, seven plays I don't think would be too big of a difference. Now, 15 plays, that's a lot. Um, definitely would make it a lot more competitive because you have less opportunities. Um, it's really about all I can really say on it. I, I'm, not, I'm not too good at this stuff. Again, I mean – when I played, I, when I tell you I'm legit so <laughs> locked in on my assignment, on my team, my job, I don't know the, the time of the game. I don't know the who else is playing. I don't know. I really don't. <laughs> not really too keen on a lot of stuff, guys. I'm really just so focused on my job. Well, so I have a very, very I, I uh, interesting. Be, to answer your question, I don't think I would be affected. I, I honestly don't think I would notice. Um. I have something you might notice and others might notice as well concerning the um, the stoppage or the non-stoppage in play following an incompletion. But we're going to get to that on the other side of the break. Good time to remind you that Steve Irvine will be with us. We will talk to him about the NCAA football potential changes. Also, uh, you realize if, if you've been keeping the Blazers on your radar, um, they've won seven of the last eight. And if you're going to peak February into March is the time to do it. So uh, they had a big win this past weekend. Like I said, they are on fire right now. Jelly Walker's back. Apparently, most times he is 100%. Uh, we'll talk with Steve Irvine about that uh, and a lot more in general as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside, this is Big Noon Sports. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Lace up the Tide 100.9. Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The high today, 64. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. The low tonight, 54. The high tomorrow, 69. Very warm on Wednesday. Cloudy at times with scattered showers. The high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Lars, Christian, Matt, Joe, Josh, your usual cast of characters, minus one Aiden on a sunny Monday afternoon, big noon sports. All right, now, as a fan, as a reporter, you know, at covering games, I have always, in my mind, known that the clock was going to stop after a first down. I've always known after incompletions. Because I'm all, if this happens, I'll have to kind of reset my brain, right? Uh, because you've been, a, I've been accustomed to this all my life. Now, as a player, has the game speed uh, grown to the point where players won't even uh, do a mental reset on an incomplete pass, Christian? What, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? Well, I, um, 
if there's an if you're playing your know, edge and you rush the passer, he throws the ball out of bounds, and you know or whatever, it's incomplete. Mm-hmm. Do you think about having an extra breath there, or oh, do you get yeah. to get back to the huddle, or actually just yeah, no, no, you think about well, you, because they're not going to go tempo uh, probably. If, you know, this incomplete. I mean, I guess they technically could, but yeah, no, no I think about that if it's incomplete. All right, yeah, they're going to take their time a little bit. Oh, 100 percent. Now I think about that. Like, all right, those kind of timing. Uh, equations do pop up in my head, right? Because that's part of my job. But if you're saying game length, like I don't think you could. I, I guarantee yeah. you if you ask anybody, they're not going to be be able to tell you because all we're the coach Saban is still sixty minutes, right? Like that's all <laughs> that's all that I know. Sixty minutes. I, I got to play sixty minutes. Um, so that's what I was referring to. But no, that's a good point. No stuff like that. I'm I'm aware of. You know, uh, first downs, incomplete passes. But those other rules, like I, I'll be honest, I wouldn't. Now that I looked at it. And I see what they're trying to do. They're just trying to make the game more efficient because I guess what they're saying is NFL games average around 155 plays. College is around 180. Um, so wow. with all that being said, I, I still don't think this is, has anything to do with player health or safety. I think it's more so just making the game efficient. And uh, and, and, and quite frankly, just they want it to be smooth. And, and if the NFL operates like that and it works out just fine, I don't see why college can't follow that method. Yeah, um, the average length of a game in the NFL is three hours and ten minutes. Last year in college, it was three hours and 21 minutes, and it's basically been around that number in college football since 2018. Uh, in 2018, it was three three hours, 16. 2019, it was three hours, 16. 2020, three hours, 21. 2021, three hours, 18. And last year, three hours, 21. Now, again, I do not think they are going to get rid of the rule of, uh, a, a, of stopping the clock after an incompletion. Um, that would do away with the intentional spike. The spike, yeah. That would do away with that. And it, frankly, it would just make the game less exciting, I think, because it would it would make it so much more difficult to orchestrate a, a long drive with a minimal amount of time on the clock. But I think all those other rules will pass. You know, this has been something, again, that the NCAA has been looking into for uh, a long time. And you got to remember as well that these rule changes will go into effect if they are passed. And there's going to be a meeting here in about a month or so. Um, uh, these rule changes will go into effect this year. Mm-hmm. So um, I think, um, yeah, like I said, I, I don't think that the incomplete pass rule will change, but I do think we will have a running clock. Uh, after a first down, the, the clock will not stop for the uh, official to spot the ball, and that's how it is in the NFL. Oh yeah, I think they, they are need trying to, they need to match that. Then I don't think that. Yeah, I, I agree with yeah, you one hundred percent. They should just so, match so they. That. Uh, what, yeah, yeah, I, and I think that's a big reason. Like they they want to match the rules of the NFL. Well, that well, and right now I'm also if, seeing that uh, the, the consistency in college is much different. The NFL has a lot more consistency in terms of time. Uh, of games in college i mean if you if you think about it there's some games that go as long as four hours and some change um and i think yeah that's what they're trying to eliminate is the discrepancies between you know games some of them being three hours some being four hours they just want a lot more consistency um throughout each game so that that makes sense the more the more understanding i have of it now that makes sense but originally when y'all asked me i was like as a player i don't think 
cutting out 10 or 20 minutes is really going to make a difference to us. But now that I've read and, it, it and makes also, a lot more sense. Also in the NFL, you can only call one timeout to ice the kicker. You can't call two. Mm-hmm. I mean, how annoying is that at the end of the game when a team has three timeouts and they use all three of them to try to ice the kicker? You know, on a 22-yard field goal. Um, yeah, so th- this is just meant to, I think Christian just nailed it on the head. It's meant to do two things, to speed up the, the overall uh, length of the game and also be more in line with what the NFL is doing. What do you guys think the chances of uh, reducing the number of TV ta- timeouts and, and shortening the commercial breaks on? No, absolutely uh, not. They need that money. That's, How that, big? that's what it's all about. That's why I was saying it. We can sit there and say, oh, they want to help the player's safety. No, heck no. It's all, <laughs> it's all about money. College about money. The NFL's about money. At the end of the day, everything's about money. Whatever makes the most money is what they're going to do. That's what I've learned. Uh, nobody that goes to Destin in the spring wants to take a lesser check, do they? <laughs> it's all about the Benjamins. That's You're listening right. to Big Noon Sports. And W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. Back on Big Noon Sports, not the heaviest weekend of sports unless you were the uh, scoring clock operator at the University of Alabama Saturday afternoon because that was click, 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 click. Alabama just demolished Georgia in the final 108-59. to Meanwhile, Auburn took a tough one on the chin with a loss against Vanderbilt, literally a buzzer beater. Other things going on, uh, we've been talking about the NCAA possible rule changes. I, I think three or four will likely change. I don't know about the uh, the clock not stopping after incomplete passes. No way. Because no of way the way I read this, that eliminates the spike. It eliminates throwing the, the, the ball out of bounds for the purpose of stopping the clock. Yeah. That's, that ain't going to happen. No. Okay. just want to make sure that my mind is here on the same level as Lars and Christian. So, Matt, I, I got to give you the open floor here. Let's going? talk Daytona 500. We can do that. I know uh, you're, you, you are our NASCAR expert, even though I did cover it for 15 years for Sports Illustrated. You always say that with such an <laughs> exasperated tone. <laughs> I think I made it. I, I, I went to every single track that NASCAR visits. Uh, now, see, I haven't. No, I, you know what? I so didn't. I didn't make it to Sonoma. I never made it to. Yeah, the the one place you want to go, wine country, I didn't go. And, and a bunch of reporters. They yeah, would you always, went to a lot of beer country, though. <laughs> a bunch of reporters would always rent a limo the day before the race and just go from winery to winery wow. to winery. Now and that's I never, uh, something never I got to enjoy. experience that. But um, I always hated covering the Daytona 500, not because it's a. Uh, it's not an exciting race. It is. It's it's very exciting. It's just a crapshoot. Anybody can win it. And we saw that yesterday. A driver who hadn't won in 199 starts 
Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, takes the checkered flag in what was the longest race in uh, Daytona history. So just give us your analysis of, of what you saw. How is the quality of racing? Pretty good. Um, and, uh, you know, how, how did the crowd look? And what are some of the storylines that you're interested in following this year? Well, I think NASCAR is, as, as more races tend to, Daytona never ended in an overtime, which is amazing to me, as many of I've, I've watched from Talladega, because huh. you just about I didn't know expect that. it. I think I read that right, yeah. and my memory is somewhat there. But anyway, that made it the longest, 212 laps, because they had to go three. But a lot of people don't like the way it ends in overtime, because once you take the white flag, if there's a yellow, when NASCAR freezes that yellow, the field is frozen, whoever is out front wins it. That, that is, that's exactly the, what happened. Even if the accident takes place behind the leaders, they're yep. still going to throw the yellow? You don't want those other guys racing to the flag either. You know, and, and how to stop? I mean, what if it happens two rows deep as opposed to seven rows deep? You know, they're going to hit the caution, they're going to hit the caution. Uh, I, I think NASCAR, based on the, their biggest race being decided like that, they're probably going to be a deeper dive. I will say this because I got a lot of response last night on social media about how unfair it was that Ricky Stenhouse Jr. could win this race. Well, let me tell you something. The kid from Mississippi made a great move. He got a great push, and he cut back down inside and under Logano and, in my opinion, deserved to win the race. Now, he is not a well-known for winning a lot of races, 199 without one. He is, however, known as a guy that He's can a good get plate it done. Racer. He's a good plate racer. Yeah. His three He's race also known wins. as the guy who dated Danica Patrick for yes, a long he time. Is. Uh, in fact, he did. And um, he, he and Aaron, that's, what he, that's the only thing he and Aaron Rodgers have in common. Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe other than, no, nah, I won't say that. <laughs> um, but uh, he made a great move. And under the rules of NASCAR right now, he deserves to win the race. Um, I, I think another observation is Kyle Busch switched teams, didn't miss a beat. In fact, as I just said a little while ago, he was leading with 200 left. So I thought that was cool. It's good to see Brad Keselowski on a super speedway running up front, even though I think he got involved in the accident. What team did like. Bush switch to? Uh, he went to Childress. Oh, that's right. He's with RCR. Yeah, he went to RCR. Um, and it's Kevin Harvick's last year in the Cup Series, which is full time. Which is huge. Um, and uh, we were talking the other night. I, 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 to me, it feels like this is got. I don't know why, just a gut feeling, and I still pay attention to the sport. But I think uh, I, I like Denny Hamlin to uh, win a championship this year. And you, know, you told me that Denny's he's never won a championship. Is that right? No, no, he's never won a championship. But yet he's won three Daytona 500s. He was my pick to win it again. Duh, go with the chalk, man. Yeah. Um, and uh, let's see, other interesting storylines to me, uh, Joey Logano, uh, if he can get another championship, suddenly you're talking about a guy who uh, is is getting into the conversation as one of the all-time greats. He, he would be right there with Tony Stewart. And I know you probably don't like hearing that because you're the biggest Tony Stewart fan in the world. <laughs> but from a statistical standpoint, he would be. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if Logano could... Has Tony Stewart ever given you a wet willy? 
He is the wet willy king. No. He's, he's pushed my microphone away a few times. <laughs> you know, he's walked through the garage area. People were One time at Talladega, he knocked a... And I, why this guy, even in this day and age, had one of those big old bulky cassette recorders? I mean, even I don't use those anymore. But he knocked it out of the guy's hand. It burst all over the the concrete, asphalt, whatever it was. But, uh... Uh, oh, I Stewart remember was, that. Uh, that was a big deal at the yeah, time. No, it was a really big deal. But anyway, uh, those are a couple of stories. Tony's lines. crazy, by the way. Like, there was one time I was with him uh, outside of Pocono, and we're on Interstate 80. He's in a rental car. Uh, he's got it up to about 155. He's got it as fast as it can go. And he's like, hang on. <laughs> and he throws on the emergency brake and he skids all the way down a exit <laughs> just to mess with me and I'm about ready to lose my lunch I mean I just was white knuckling it and he was just laughing and of course the car comes to a stop right at the of stop sign of course it did you didn't expect him to come up short. And his PR guy was sitting in the back, Mike Arning, who I know you know, and he's just like, Tony, don't do this with a Sports Illustrated reporter. Well, it never <laughs> made print, did it? It was the lead of my story. Oh, I thought maybe he did <laughs> that course. thinking you weren't going to. <laughs> oh, no, no, Tony didn't care. Uh, Tony doesn't give up. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he doesn't care about No, he didn't care about a whole lot. Uh, do you ever get married? Nah, not that I'm aware of. Uh, he, he, one time in, uh, so he lives in Columbus, Ohio, or Columbus, Indiana, or he did. He had a place there, uh, and uh, one night he gets pulled over by a police officer for going, I think, 85 in a 25, and uh, <laughs> is that bad? Um, and uh, turns out it was a female police officer, and they ended up dating. Okay, and he, and he never that sounds had, like a scene and, out of the Bachelorette party. He never had, he got out of the ticket. Uh, I guess so. I got uh, a million Tony Stewart stories. Oh um, well, we'll uh, we'll dedicate a show to Tony Stewart, and you can and it, you will be responsible for getting him on. <laughs> By the way, I thought he did a nice job along with Clint Boyer on the broadcast. Uh, none of them. None of them touched Junior. I mean, he's just, he's, he's very, very good at that. Now, Christian, uh, bringing you back in the fold, I don't know if you keep up with NASCAR or if you watch the Daytona 500. Maybe that first, the last six or seven minutes was just for you to listen. I don't know. Did you keep up? Do you watch? Uh, I, I don't, honestly, Matt. I, um, I probably should as much as I like cars, but I, I haven't really, um, I haven't watched it too much in the past, but maybe maybe, maybe you'll be the the first person to finally get me to jump on board. Uh, I'll put you in my back seat, front seat, whatever the case, and drive you over there, and uh, get you to watch a race. It's it's uh it's incredible, especially at Talladega. Yeah, because it's so much more it's, than just the races. It's, it's um, just uh, it's oh, the yeah, whole I've heard. Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard of uh, the the outfield thing. That's what it's called. Infield, yeah. infield, well, outfield and infield. Well, um, the outfield is probably crazier than the infield. Now, it, yes, it is. It is. Yeah. Okay, I've the told fields, you I've that heard story. Of the fields. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a place out there called um, Free Parking, and it's exactly what it is. You it doesn't get. If you got a tent, if you've got a uh, cousin Eddie's RV, doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You go out there and you park, and they throw down. I I would, I would think that. 
probably 25% of them never make it inside the track. I told you, when, one night, Dylan, Dylan Earnhardt Jr. and I, night before a uh, Talladega race, we get into his, um, uh, get into a golf cart, and he just wants to go check out what's going on in those outer fields. And uh, we saw things that I've never seen again, that I've never, that I've never, that I never saw before, and I never want to see again. Uh, and I'll just leave it at that. I mean, it was just uh, <laughs> hedonistic. Because hmm. I, I have told the story the the b- before, and I got in trouble uh, on the radio. So uh, I, I got to. Uh, you don't I, wanna, I, got, I got talking to. You don't want to cut us out of our Talladega relationship. Okay? <laughs> no. Because right now we have a good one. Yeah. There's a, put it this way. There's a lot of nakedness out there. <coughs> and nobody cares. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and not only that, it is very much encouraged and obliged. A lot of nakedness. A lot of, a lot of Budweiser. A lot, a lot, a lot. A lot of brown water. Um. I never participated in that much at all. I would go out there and check it out. Because quite honestly, you can't do what I do and hang out all night. No. I tried that one time. It didn't, uh, you know, I I made it through the next day, but I swore. How? I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Well, I ended now. It's not even worth going into. What is worth going into is talking to Steve Irvine. So uh, why don't we take our break here? And uh, we'll come back and discuss things all UAB and, you know, college football world. I don't know if Irvine's a NASCAR guy either. Don't think I've ever seen him over there. But uh, he writes for 1819 News, and we'll be right back to speak with him in a moment. The best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The high today, 64. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. The low tonight, 54. The high tomorrow, 69. Very warm on Wednesday. Cloudy at times with scattered showers. The high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 69 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Big Noon Sports, being joined by Steve Irvine, jumping right into it. Steve, first of all, with 1819 Sports and all the fine new work, fine work you do, uh, I'm a broadcaster. Uh, things going all right, Steve? <laughs> things, things are good, man. How y'all doing? Uh, wonderful. I mean, it's a, it's a really, really great day and a few things to talk about. Two real quick from me. Seven of the last eight, they're peaking at the right time. I'm, I just want you to comment on their play and why they have suddenly developed into this team that looks like they could win their own tournament. And it, how much of it is Jelly Walker? Well, I, a lot of it's Jelly, uh, obviously. But I, mean, I, I do think that um, I do think in hindsight it, it helped them being without him for you know five games. I mean, I mean, it didn't help their record, but it but it helped them be a better team. I think because they learned. How to play without him for 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 one one thing, and then you know coming back, um, you know he 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 fit in to uh, and kind of doing the things that uh, that he was early in the season, you know, kind of playing a little more under control, and I just think it made him a better team. I think it it helped in their confidence, it helped guys 
uh, you know, step up and, and realize that, they, you know, they, they have a role to play too. And, you know, and, and Jelly, Jelly struggled the first couple of games back, but since then he's played really well. And, you know, they're playing, they're playing as, you know, as well as they have all year, really. So, uh, you know, I, I, again, hindsight, uh, being without him for a little bit did help. So, can this team just just give us your forecast for what is going to happen with this team over the next uh, few weeks or so? Well, I, I mean, I, I think the one thing that happened that's good is they they with the win the other day they clinched uh, you know a buy in the first round. So I don't I think it's going to be a team that at least for the for the rest of the regular season can play a little loose. And not you know not loose. They still got to play, but I mean. There's not a whole lot of pressure on them, so I think that'll help them, uh, you know, just kind of work on be- becoming a better team. And they still need to win out to get the, you know, get the best seed possible. But at least they they you know, they they've got themselves a bye. And then it's just a matter of of, of just trying to uh, uh, with with each game with the, with each uh, day, trying to uh, you know become a better team together and become better better players together. And and you know I, I think that. Um, I think they've got a chance. I mean, you know, it's really similar to last year, really. It, you know, it, I mean, I think they were a little more dysfunctional this year at one point during the season than they were last year. But, you know, they struggled at times last year. And then right before the tournament, they pulled it together and were really, really good in the conference tournament. So uh, um, I think it's real similar to that. And I think the ones that are back from that have learned from that and, and kind of have, you know, helped, helped uh, you know, the guys that weren't here understand that and, so it's just a matter of getting better every day now. Steve, I, I want to ask you about football. I know it's kind of a quiet time right now as you know, the programs are doing their, their workouts, preparing for spring ball. But are there any updates with the football team and the new coach in Trent Dilfer? Well, I, yeah. I mean, and Chris, you know, there's there's never really a quiet time, uh, you know, as a player especially. But, uh, but no, I, I think that they're, they're really um, – Developing kind of a, a chemistry there right now with their with their offseason stuff. I think one big thing that, that helped, and and I, I think you'll agree with this as a player, is being able to keep the the strength the strength coach uh, Lyle Henley, who's one of the best in the business. Being able to keep him or making the decision to keep him has been huge for this program. I mean, I think it's been huge for the transition. Uh, you know, these guys that are returning. Uh, you know, are used to him, and they understand it, and they understand what he wants and what he needs. And I think that's really helped at this point uh, to to where they are. You know, they start spring in, in on March eighth, and uh, and so it's pretty close. You know, it's pretty close to spring you know, for starting. But I, I think they're in a really good space and uh, spot in their transition right now. Uh, you know, before before spring because. Uh, you know, because of that, because of the strength guy. And there's a few other guys in the staff that stayed too, but I think that was the, the big key and a really, really a smart decision by Trent Dilfer. Speaking of Trent, so far in your dealings with him, um, not to go too deep, but um, it's it just been my experience. Maybe he, he keeps his distance um, from the media and so forth. You may know now as a beat writer for UAB to totally – be different on that thought but uh have you just got an overall feel for trent dilfer's personality yet yeah i mean he's a good guy i mean there's no doubt about that i think the one thing that with 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 trent trent right now is i you know he might seem a little more distant because i I think he's still trying to transition into being a college head coach and 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 everything that that comes with that you know i mean i think that it's one thing that he's 
he's really figuring out quick that boy, there's you know you got a you got a lot of a lot of irons in this fire here, and 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 you know and you only have 24 hours in a day and that type of thing. But you know, I think he's um you know for my dealings with him so far, you know he, he's a good guy. You know he's enthusiastic. He's uh you know I mean there's there's some times where as a writer. As a reporter, uh, you know, you sort of have to dig through some of the, uh, you know, some of the BS a little bit. But I don't think that's unique to him. You know, I think that's just kind of the way it is. But, um, but I, you know, I, I've been impressed. I've been really impressed with uh, with the staff that I've met. You know, that that I think he's done a good job of really bringing. And it's it's a unique staff, and and they all have kind of their own little unique journeys to it. But, um, you know, I, that's one thing that's impressed me that, you know, the guys I've met that, uh, you know, I'm really impressed with them. Now, we hadn't seen them on the field. We hadn't seen them coaching, all that type of stuff. But as people, you know, I think he's really brought in some good people, which says a lot about him. Um, Steve, I know I've asked you this before, but I'm curious if you've gotten some more sort of insight into this of just how this UAB offense is going to look next year or this upcoming season as opposed to last season. What are the major differences that we're going to see? Well, I, I, that's that's going to be interesting to see, Lars. I, I I don't quite know yet. I, I mean, I, I do think they're going to. You will see some some two back stuff. I will think you. Uh, I do. I do think we'll see some um, guys moving around. And I mean, I'm talking about guys like you know, like like Jermaine Brown, who's you know who's coming back as the number one running back. I can see them moving him around. You know, maybe put him in a slot. Maybe uh, you know, again, I like to say maybe run some two back stuff with him. Just do. Do different stuff. I think it's going to be very, very multiple. You know, just uh, just by watching, you know, just go back and look at even some stuff he did at Lipscomb. Is there was not a whole lot that you could, um, you know, it's hard to describe. Almost they, they did so much stuff, and that was you know that was at the high school level, and I think that it's going to be the same thing, you know, at this level. And I, I think a lot of that. A reason I think a lot of that is he's got so many guys that have have. Played, you know, played important roles, you know, as an analyst. You know, you, you know, you have uh, Alex Mortensen. Uh, you know, have, you had Nick Coleman, who was at, at South Carolina, who actually called the plays for South Carolina to their bowl game. You know, so you, you have him. You have some guys. He has an analyst that I'm actually having a story coming out. A story come out later today on a guy named Danny Mitchell, who was um, who was sort of spent his life. You know, he, he was he's been over to Europe three times to, to coach and. You know, uh, it was was a high school coach with with a lot of success, and you know, I think there's a lot of these guys just have different, you know, ideas and 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 mindsets, and I think that's the one thing. Kind of going back to to Trent Dilfer for a minute too. I think he's very good from from what I've learned, from what I can see from here about letting guys have an ideas and and accepting those ideas. You know, instead of just being closed, to, you know, hey, I'm the head coach, this is how we're going to do it. You know, I, I really think that there's going to be a lot of um, different things thrown into it from, from all these different guys. So it's going to be one of those things where you really don't know. I don't think you're going to know what, what their really identity offensively is and, until you see them in, in really fall camp. You know, I don't even think you got to show it, you know, as much in the spring. I don't know how much we're going to watch practice or, 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 or not. I haven't heard yet what his, his thoughts are on that, but we certainly won't see it in the spring game. You know, it's going to be pretty vanilla in the spring game, but I don't know that we'll really know until, um, you know, until you see it in, in the fall. 
Steve, you know, they kind of went out on a limb getting Trent, you know, doesn't necessarily have the, the college coach experience. Would you say that puts him on somewhat of a, a short leash, meaning he's not going to have the most time to really show what he can do? Or, or do you think that they're bought into him and they're going to give him several years to really get his guys in the program and, and have his opportunity to turn it around? Oh, I think they're certainly bought into him. I, I, I think he'll have time. I, I really do. Uh, you know, and I think I think they they need time. I think part of it is they. I you know, let, let's be honest. This is an out of the box hire. I mean, there's no doubt about it. It's an out of the box hire. And when you go out of the box, in my opinion, you can't have a short lease because you're you know you you, you said hey I'm going to do something different with this hire, and I'm I'm going to have to let it develop. So I I think it'll be you know I think they're they're certainly bought into it to uh, to Trent Dilfer and. And I, I, I mean, honestly, I think the people, uh, UAB people, really enjoy what they've seen so far from him. You know, and 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 again, we don't know until the results start happening. You know, you know, you know as well as I do, this is a results-oriented business. Right. Uh, but but I do think that because of all that, that they that they do, they will give him a long leash here, and and you know, and hey. He he believes, and I mean, I'm talking about. He totally totally believes that they're going to win from day one. You know, he's not just he's not just talking when he says that. I mean, I, that's the one thing I, I can tell you right now. I don't know him well, but I can tell you right now, he totally believes that. Well, if he's going to do it from day one, a lot of that's on him. We will soon find out. It is really going to be an interesting season to follow the Blazers. Hey, Steve, how do people follow you on 1819? 1819news.com. Uh, just uh, get on there. We're doing so much good work, not just sports. Well, I mean, I work with some incredible people. We're doing some great work there. So uh, you know, give us a, give us a, a look there, and um, and then uh, and obviously look into sports too. Thank you so much, Steve. We'll talk again next week. Appreciate it. Ah, uh, man, sounds great. Appreciate you guys. Uh, I don't know how many you watched because there were a couple of things to watch yesterday afternoon, including the Daytona 500, but I'm flipping over there because I'm like, I like to watch golf and uh, particularly like to see how Tiger's doing and JT and, and those guys and um, John Rahm. Talk a little golf, talk a little Tiger on the other side of the break as you listen to Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. He looked more and more comfortable, especially on Saturday. you got to remember, he also walked around on Wednesday. So it wasn't just like he walked 72 holes. He walked five rounds. Um, And maybe in retrospect, it would have been nice for Tiger if he could have had a, a golf cart on on that Wednesday practice round because by the end of the day on Sunday he just he, his his limp was just very noticeable you could tell he was in pain um and uh and, and he he said and, and and look Tiger's never one to complain about anything about well at least about you know his own body and I mean Gosh, this is a guy who, uh, what he won a major with a torn ACL, uh, just get, just gutting it out. Um, but he said, you know, hey, I, I certainly uh, it certainly was a little more difficult than I probably let on. My team has been fantastic in getting my body recovered day by day and getting me ready to play each day. 
Um, he said the, the the hard part is that I can't uh, simulate uh, being out on the course in a tournament environment at home, and uh, because of the uh, the adrenaline, it, it's just. It, it, I mean, Christian, you you probably could talk to this. It, it's like. You can't simulate game day in practice, no matter how hard you do or how hard you try to. It's just not the same. And Tiger uh, eventually said that, um, look, I'm going to do my best to play all four majors and then maybe just a a tournament here or there. Um, But uh, he, he said that that's just all his body will allow. And that's all that's going to allow going forward. It's not going to get any better. Uh, it, that's just the, the way it is, and that's where he is right now. He still believes that he can win uh, a major, another major, uh, which would just be like the, the, one of the biggest stories that we've seen in a long, long time, if he could even just be in contention on Sunday. And um, I, you know, he Augusta is coming up in early April, and uh, he might play in the Players Championship, but uh, the the timing just doesn't really work out very well because he won't have a lot of recovery time between the Players Championship uh, and and uh, and the Masters. And the Masters has always been a tournament where Tiger's dangerous there. I mean, it's just he he loves that course. He knows that course. And um, I think overall uh, that, again, he's got to be happy with his performance. Uh, Christian, I'll go to you uh, in just your reaction to Tiger. But but I think overall he's got to be pretty happy with, with how he played. And, um, and, and, you know, we haven't even gotten to John Rahm, who is just on a whole nother level right now. He, 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 he's number one. Yeah, he's number one, and he's just, he, 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 he looks great. But um, Tiger's the one that we all, he's the one that draws the eyeballs. And I, I think what we saw these last four days was nothing but encouraging signs, Christian. Yeah, and, and if I'm being honest, I didn't really get to see it. I've been working at my houses the whole weekend, so I didn't really get to watch anything at all. I, I really just kind of uh, had to catch up on some things. But um, for him to finish that round like that, I think it was, was great. It was a great sign for him. Um, but you can definitely tell that things are kind of taking a toll on him. And I don't think it's necessarily just his age. I mean, I think Tiger's like 47. I don't think he's the oldest, you know, especially to be golfing. But I think what it really is is the injuries, right? I think the injuries are kind of piling up yeah. on him and they're taking their toll. Um, but uh, I think he has shown that he still has the ability to compete. And uh, I think he definitely has a, a win or two left in him. I think it's just a matter of if he can just uh, sustain um, all that that – that he's taking on his body um, with all the play that he's doing. I mean, because golf, I mean, it requires a lot. It doesn't seem like it takes much, but, I mean, you have to practice 24-7, all those swings. I mean, he's dealt with so many back issues and and whatnot. You can only imagine, you know, how that's taking a toll on him. And then you were talking about having to walk around. (laughs) I mean, if I had to walk a whole golf course, even in the shape I'm in, and I like to say I'm in great shape, I'm going to be tired and sore. And to have to do that at that age and dealing with those injuries just – it's not easy, so um, I'm glad you know he played the way he played. But uh, you know, I, I definitely still think he has some left in the tank 
Uh, just you know, it's just a matter of if, if he can stay healthy. I think that's the biggest thing for Tiger. I think it's endurance is a lot of it, and and what Christian mentioned, it's endurance <clears throat> to overcome what's happened to his leg mostly. Yeah, you know, even though he's had other it's, issues, it's, back it's, it's issues, the car and so forth. Accident. Um, that he's lucky. He's lucky to to survive well, right. two years uh, ago. Yeah, it's just one of those uh, almost tragic. I mean, he almost had it. Had his leg was almost yeah. amputated. Yep. Um, so uh, it's it's um, it, it's remarkable. It's a testament to his toughness and his drive and his will. And you know he's he's come out and said that I'm not going to be one of these guys who uh, just comes out here and, and putzes around and and here to be a ceremonial golfer. If I if I can't win, or if I don't believe I have a chance to win, I'm not I'm not doing it. I'm I'm well, done. The last couple of times he stepped out there, he's made the cut, right? Yeah. You know, and but 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 believe just making me, the cut. If you talk to a... Tiger, making the cut is not his goal. Right. But in order to reach his goal, you have to make the cut. So, what did uh, you think just overall? I don't know how much you guys see of the tournament. Uh, you know, I, I flip back and forth because I love how there's some warm, cozy, and friendly and uh, love about Sunday afternoon watching golf tournaments. Yeah, you know, yeah. even the Greensboro Open. And nothing against Greensboro, but I mean, there's a big difference between nah, that. Just, Genesis. It's, it's like soothing. I don't it's, know. I don't, it's like therapeutic it, or something. It, yeah, it, it really it, is. <laughs> uh, I love it, and and I. I observe what all you guys did as well. Um, but here, here's the thing that troubles me. I don't think that injury is ever going to get much better no. or to make it easier for him to play. However, and Christian, you can address this, I think, as well. If you know you've got that energy, Christian, don't you kind of learn how to play to your weakness? Yeah, I, I mean, in, in, I in, so. yeah. while you're playing, oh. you you know, yeah. I've got I've got that bum ankle. I've, yeah. So how do I how do I adjust to to get my game closer to ground zero? Because I know it's going to be there every day. Yeah, yeah, and I don't and I don't know how exactly it affects you know him like his playing ability in terms of like his swing and and if it's taking that much of a toll on him. But in terms of just being able to manage it, I mean, with all the the financial resources he has the the connections he has i mean he could you know work with world-class trainers and whatnot i mean there has to be somebody who can offer something i mean especially even if he i'm telling you if he was at alabama right now they'd they'd go to the the engineering department they would come up with some type of uh mm-hmm. if, you know mechanism or some type of brace or anything they could do uh, to help him out and, and alleviate some of that, maybe he needs to go holler at our friends at the Good Feet store and get some of their art supports. <laughs> their art supports. Uh, <laughs> you go feet. with that now. Hey, I'm, I mean, we all know what they do. They they alleviate and eliminate pain, back pain, hip pain, knee pain, and obviously some ankle pain as well. So I think Tiger could benefit uh, from. So maybe if Tiger's ever in Tuscaloosa, he needs to go down to the the Good Feet store in Midtown Village. And uh, try out their arch supports. Again, they got first-class customer service, a superior product that you can see results in as soon as 30 days. And it's try before you buy, so you have nothing to lose. So if you're ever in Tuscaloosa, go to the Good Feet store over in Midtown or surrounding areas. You also can go to thegoodfeet.com and and find your nearest Good Feet store, and uh, they'll definitely get you situated as well. But I think Tiger Woods would benefit from some arch supports from the Good Feet store. So maybe maybe I need to contact him and, and offer him some help. I'm sure they'd be glad to help him out. I believe we got a location over here at the Summit, too, in Birmingham. So, 
All right, uh, and we appreciate their sponsorship so, so very much, and uh, with Reagan, too, with R&R. All right, when we get back, I'm going to touch on this briefly because I want to try and end on a positive note. But I saw this morning one of the most, uh, what I want to call it, uh, unethical things a basketball coach could ever do. I saw that, too. We'll talk about it briefly and then end by talking about baseball. Uh, you listen to Big Nose Sports. Maybe so, maybe not. I don't know. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Want to know what's going on with the Crimson Tide? Download the Tide 100.9 app today. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. The high today, 64. Tonight and tomorrow, mostly cloudy with a chance of scattered showers. The low tonight, 54. The high tomorrow, 69. Very warm on Wednesday. Cloudy at times with scattered showers. The high at 80. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 71 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Back on Big Noon Sports. It's not going to be very hard if you haven't seen this video for me to give you a mental picture. Uh, a youth girls basketball game. <clears throat> team had just scored. They were going to inbound. The other team obviously going to inbound the ball, head back up the floor. Um, the team the, and the coach in controversy here was right there by the inbounds line. So the coach stood there and, ho- and, and hid one of his players. By the way, she wasn't real big. But she squatted down there next to him. They inbounded the ball with no knowledge that she was hiding behind the coach. And the coach on the other side was definitely trying to set a screen, if you will. And so once the two girls bringing the ball up the floor got to just shy of midcourt, unaware that this girl had been hidden, she flies up the court, forces a steal. Um, who, who can possibly be proud of that? Lars, you've seen the video. It, it makes I you want to go... That guy should never coach or be allowed on a basketball floor the rest of his life. And I'm, I'm sorry, he's her coach, but she should be a little shamed too. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And uh, and and the coach actually stepped onto the floor. Yeah, true. To, onto the court to uh, to conceal her from the uh, opposing team. And you're right. Uh, as soon as the, the 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 point guard on the other team uh, gets to about midcourt, then the the player who had been hiding behind the coach uh, sprints up and you know uh, just taps the ball away from the girl, and it's a, a the, the point guard, and it's a steal. Um, and it's. Um, Completely unethical, uh, but but more more than anything, Christian, um, you know, my twin my twin girls just turned six, and uh, they're playing softball right now, and they love to play soccer, and and uh, they're also uh, they love basketball, they love all sports, but above everything, I teach them sportsmanship. I teach them like to play with honor. Uh, I remember that uh, um, uh, Lincoln 
when he was playing flag football last season in a, in in Lincoln is is seven, there was this other team that they played uh, for the the championship right and seven year olds, and the coach for that team and this is the only only team I saw do this all year long, the coach for that team had his kids once they had got a flag pulled they dropped the ball on the ground whereas the coaches on my on Lincoln's team and and I was an assistant you hand the ball either to the referee or uh, or back to the other team you know or actually you hand it to the referee so you can just get the game moving and I and I approached this coach after the game I was I was that parent I was I was heated. I'm like, why wouldn't you just instruct your players to show good sportsmanship and hand the ball to the referee rather than just dropping it and uh, and and and, uh, and 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 forcing the referee and the other players to try to scramble to get it? And he's like, we're just doing to take what it wins. We're just doing whatever it takes to win. Seven. Seven. We're doing whatever it takes to win. And it just disgusted me. Um, I don't know, Christian. It, it, did you experience anything like that uh, when you were growing up playing youth sports where you just you witnessed something and you're just like, oh, my gosh, what, what is going on here? I'm probably sure. I'm sure I have. I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. We've got a short amount of time, but I will say I don't. I don't think it's. I think sportsmanship is one thing, but I think the the second thing is respect. And I think right now we have a lot of uh, lack of respect uh, in our in our country and just throughout the world right now, where uh, it just seems like kids aren't being raised to be respectful. Uh, and I think that goes a lot further than just sports. And I think that's a great time to teach that lesson of respect, handing the ball to the ref respectfully instead of just throwing it down. So he has to get it. Same thing about in the locker room, guys that just throw tape and trash on the ground. Then a janitor has to go clean up the mess behind you because you aren't uh, mature enough and responsible enough to just put your trash in the trash can. So I think it goes along those lines of just teaching kids to be respectful. And that way, um, you know, it, it applies outside of just sports. And I think that's a great opportunity to teach it then. So um, I think it's, it's critical you do that. Well put. Indeed. Hey, nice show, gentlemen. Golf clap. That's actually <laughs> louder than a golf cap. See you tomorrow at noon. Could you use monthly?